Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It's 106 in Edmonton. Hour number two of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Second Hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Don't spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Digitex is your all-in-one convenient location at digitex.ca. Hugh Porter and his staff at Digitex, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. You can continue to text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063 and reach us on a River Cree Resort Casino hotline at 780-496-0063. want to tell you, guests of the show receive guest certificates to Japanese Village Steak and Seafood cooked right at your table. Edmonton South, Downtown, Northside, Sherwood Park, and now open in West Edmonton Mall. Uh, in mere moments, uh, Brennan Escott's going to grab you a clip from Milan Lucic today, who had some interesting comments pertaining to the Matthew Kachuk situation. Let me know when you got that queued up and ready to go, okay? We're, go- we're good right now. Is that the thumbs up, or are you going to go get it? Let's go bombs away. All right, just before we bring in David Staples, uh, this is Milan Lucic today. They had, yesterday was an off day for the Flames. They skated uh, this is today Wednesday? What day is it? Yeah, it's Wednesday. They skated today, and uh, here's Luch. Personally, I think uh, our focus is a little bit too much on that because you saw, you know, we go into Montreal on Monday night, and all we're talking about is what happened on Saturday, and we don't come out to play, uh, you know, a game on Monday the way we should because we're still talking about Saturday. So, um you know, and those two points were just as big as the ones that we got on Saturday. So there's, you know, there's almost too much focus on one thing when our focus right now should be on the Maple Leafs. It won't be got to do to win a hockey game. And, and to be honest, you know, guys are going to say what they're going to say and, and, and do what they're going to do. I know for a fact uh, everyone's got each other's back, uh, you know, in this locker room and, you know, when the time comes, you know, whatever score needs to be settled will be settled. So, but like I said, I think our, our main focus and energy needs to be on uh, the Maple Leafs and what we need to do to win a hockey game. We've got two games left here uh, before the break starts. So, you know, that's the main thing. You know, talk is just talk. Yeah, you know, I. Like I said, whatever whatever score needs to be settled, we can focus on that when uh, when we play the next. All right, there you go. That's Milan Lucic uh, of now the Calgary Flames. Again, I believe Kachuk is going to challenge Cassian early in that game on the 29th. Let's bring aboard David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. Hello, David. How are you? Hey, Bob. I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, suffice to say, that was a very polarizing scenario. Oilers fans, for the most part, were on one side. Flames fans, for the most part, were on another side, but the majority of the hockey world seemed to be on Zach Cassian's side on that issue, weren't they? Oh, tons of former players, and Cassian himself admitted it. Hey, Bob, I've got a question for you, though. The, the, the funniest incident or anecdote that came out of this thing was the stoffer uh altercation. If that had been Zach Cassian who ran you in that hockey game, do you think you would have 
choked him and challenged him to a fight? Uh, yeah, I probably would have. And the, 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 the difference is I – now, here's here's the thing. And, and, again, I've sort of explained this. And we got George on yesterday, and he was supposed to come on right at 1 o'clock. And we had some communication issues because he was down in California. You know, by the you know during George's days as an Oiler, I used to ride him a bit for. And Robin Brownlee was uh, around covering the team on a day by day basis, and Robin was a big supporter of George's. And I used to say George's best fighter in the league, not the best enforcer. And George's, oh, why you say that? Like, you know, I'm good at my job, and I'm like, yeah, George, you're you're pretty good at your job. By the point that I went on the ice with him, I was like two years later. Like, I mean, I would see George, you know, three times a week at the gym at Body yeah. Bennett back then, and you know, he was doing our show every Thursday in the summer, and. Uh, the on-ice session was non-contact. And he hit me hard in non-contact. And for those of you guys out there that have skated that are playing with a bunch of guys and a guy gets railroaded non-contact, it's going to upset you. So I had a momentary lapse of reason that probably occurred as I was flying somewhere between six to eight feet in the air, according to Sean Bell. <laughs> so, uh, because I tried to jump out of the hit. And, uh, you know, I stuck him. Uh... Uh, you know, I stuck him, and uh, he just, I, I just remember, I'm like, that's going. He goes, I can't fight you. I'm like, that's go. He goes, you get two hits. And I'm like, I'm not going to hit you if you're not fighting me back. He goes, I deserve it, what I did to you. And he was, and he was so cool about it. Zach, uh, you know, Zach, is, to, the point you're making is Zach is not as, scary. He's, he's not scary. as, cal- like, George, George is a he's pretty, funny. yeah, George is yeah. funny, right? So, you know what, David, that's a valid point and a valid question. Uh, I also don't think in that situation Zach would have hit me. But George, yeah, maybe, right? Maybe you know not. what I'm saying? Like, Zach, I can tell you from a, if you're down there on a day-by-day basis, and part of what you do is you're not down there because you're doing the other stuff for the journal, yeah. Zach is one of the go-to guys in the Oilers' room because he'll tell you the truth. And you can tell if he hasn't liked something that's maybe transpired in the past between a media guy and him. You can pick up on it. Like, there's certain guys that he's warmer to. Um he, he's really matured as a player and pulled, oh, yeah. his, pulled his life together. I never thought he'd be this good. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think he could. Like, if he scores 20, like, he's on pace for basically a 22-goal, 45-point season with about 100 penalty minutes. That's a $5 million player. Like, there's no way I'd pay him that, but that's that's what that is today, he, David. He's one of the best power forwards right now in the NHL. He gives you every single thing that power forward wants. And yeah, I, so the reason I ask that is because Cassian is, he just seems more scary. LaRock has that aspect to him. And and uh, if Kachuk's going to fight him, he's got some guts because, uh, I mean, uh, but I don't think he has any choice. We could, I think he could hear some embarrassment in Lucic. He wants this, to, he wants this away. This is an embarrassing incident for the Calgary Flames and for Kachuk. I thought I heard it in Kachuk's answer on Monday when he was kind of equivocating and thinking, well, I think I did the right thing. It sounded like he wasn't so sure anymore. I think he's going to fight Cassian. Yep. I think he's going to fight Cassian. Yeah. You know, I think he should have got, honestly, I think he should have, for that kind of blindside hit early in the game, um, I don't see, I don't understand George Peros to this moment. I don't understand how that wasn't uh, game misconduct for intent to injury. Uh, blindside charging hit to some uh, vulnerable player. How is that not a suspension? So, Absolutely. I don't get it. All right, let's, uh, let's hit on some other things right now. David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. Uh, and here we go. We're going to start with the fact Mike Smith. Are you surprised that he's pulled it back together here? Totally. Totally surprised. Are you and admitting? Are you admitting you've been wrong before, David? 
let's not go there. Uh, and I, so I was wrong on Mike Smith because about a, about a, in, at the end of December, um, Mike Smith. So he was on one of the w- worst streaks of his career. He had an 11 game episode with an 8.53 save percentage, and me and many other people were saying, okay. I was hoping they would bring in uh, Young Comrie on waivers because yeah. I just I just didn't think Smith could do it. But there were some people, including um, a hockey writer called Cat Silverman in Arizona, who was saying Smith will drive you crazy. He's super hot and then he's super cold. So I I just I heard that I said that in. I thought okay maybe. And now what is he? Uh, he's hot again. So I I went back, Bob, and I did some research, and it's absolutely true. Um, I looked at the last four seasons, including this one, and Smith has been on an absolute roller coaster up and down every single season. He's had um, he's had eight streaks where he's, he's had a 9.25 or better save percentage. Eight streaks, um, as short as six game, as short as uh, five games, this most recent one, and as long as 14 games where he's been 9.25 or better, and he's had six streaks where he's been below 8.80 as short as five games and as long as uh, 13 games, below 880 save percentage. And the, But the worst one was this last one. But this guy, I guess we're just going to have, this is his game. He's up and down, and I guess Tippett knew that, and he, and he saw maybe he's at the bottom He's at the bottom of the, the tracks, and he's going to start heading, heading up uphill again, and that's what's happened. Well, you know, there's a saying, goalies are voodoo. Um, and I would assert to you that as goaltenders uh, get... Uh, worn down a bit. There, the yes. propensity for this to occur to have those wide variances increases. And I look at Carey Price, terrific goaltender. Mark Andre Fleury right now has a 906 save percentage. If he's at 915, Gerard Gallant's still coaching the Vegas Golden Knights. Like yeah. That is part of the the the, uh, by, the byproduct of all that. So it happens, and a lot of times for me, I think it happens for goaltenders in their 30s more so than in their 20s. Um, switching focus here. From Mike Smith, and I didn't. You did some good research there, David. Um, I didn't say much about Craig Button's top 50 rankings because Bouchard and Broberg were not in it. I thought there yeah. were in some inconsistencies with Craig's work last year, how he ranked guys, but he sees all the players. Corey Pronman's got some prospect rankings. I've not seen Corey's rankings yet. What's the? Is there a reoccurring? Like, is there a lack of respect for the owner's prospects, or what sort of sense did you get from Buttons and uh, Pronman's prospect rankings? Well, uh, Pronman, who writes for the Athletic, I really like the work that he does. You know, reading through it, there's there's always a ton of hype around these young players. Like, he, you know, he's going to be the next so and so, you know, the next Leon Drysaddle, the next whatever. But Pronman is just very realistic in his assessments, and he has—he's got his top, um, I think it's 73 NHL-affiliated players out right now, and he has Evan Bouchard at 22nd overall, and Philip Broberg at 31st. Okay. So uh, Button—he didn't have those guys in the top 50. So I mean, I don't see all these players. I can't comment. But, you know, I can't rate them against other players, but I do see Bouchard quite a bit in the NHL. And for Bouchard not to be in a top 50 list, I think, is uh, really questionable because he's his game is trending up with a bullet right now in the AHL. His defensive play is getting better. His gap control is better in the neutral zone. He's de- denying uh, easy zone uh, entries. And, of course, his offensive game is, is, uh, is really super strong already. So I don't know how Craig Button had him not in that list. But that said, I really like Craig Button's work overall. I think he's extremely entertaining and provocative and a smart guy. So, But he should have had Bouchard up there. You don't, I haven't seen Broberg. 
Yeah, so I can't say. You don't have – here's the thing. Um, you don't have to like everybody – everything a guy says to like them as a guy. Right, like that's that's part of we we obviously had Craig on the show for five years before Bell purchased uh, the other radio station, and so then we lost our uh, having Craig, who was a terrific Friday get, and we replaced him obviously with Elliot Friedman. Um, one thing I will say about Craig's work the last two years, it, it coincides right with Craig returning from the World Junior Championships, and some would say there's a bit of a yeah. recency bias, like they were all over Brandstrom last year. Uh, when he was still a Vegas prospect before the Mark Stone trade was done. And right now, Eric Branson, there are people that I talk to around the league that think he's only going to be a number five defenseman. And my, and, hope, with, and my hope would be that Broberg and Bouchard both end up being top four NHL defensemen for the Edmonton Oilers. And Broberg was strictly in a defensive role over at Sweden. He was he was in the shutdown role. And they all, you know, Rasmus Sandin uh, was a, a top ten guy for, for Greg Button. He got walked on the game-winning goal in overtime against Russia. And then there were four Russians in the top four or five, or a top five or six. And what do we know about Russians? They're highly unpredictable as players. You don't know what you're going to get with Russian players. They might be skilled. They might be talented. But you don't know how they're going to. If you go look at uh, hockey's future for the last 15 to 18 years that the, the, the Hockey News puts out, there's two types of players who get ranked higher that often don't pan out. Number one's been goaltenders, and number two's been Russians. And because of the KHL factor, David. And a lot of the Russians who make it, Bob, are not high on the lists in their draft year. They're, they're, they come out of nowhere. So the thing with Button's list is, and, and I agree with you, you can disagree strongly on one point, but still respect someone's hockey opinion, which I do with Button. But he, he had Broberg so highly rated uh, before the draft. He was all over Broberg. And then Broberg played so well in the World Junior Showcase. And again, Button was so high on him. So how can he drop out of the top 50? You might, I mean, it just seems like that's kind of a strong recency bias, maybe based on the, uh, as you say, on the World Junior Championship. But I love his, I love his stuff. And I, I will tell you, he's a really good guy, and he treats people terrifically. All right. Yeah. Uh, Ken Holland uh, had a strategy of bringing veterans in. The Oilers, you know, they, they slow played Yamamoto, was coming off a wrist injury. Some would suggest Yamamoto could have been here a month earlier. Uh, what's your take on Holland's summer strategy of bringing in these vets? Well, I, I don't want to rave too much, but I'm going to because it's been kind of, he's, he's had incredible success. His whole thing was to bring in as much, many veteran players as you can, um, just stack up on the veterans, and hopefully some of them turn out. And in that way, you can keep Yamamoto and Benson and other players uh, ripening in the minor leagues. And so I looked at the decade of darkness, Bob, and which you and I both lived through. The Oilers had terrible success at that time bringing in forwards. Only 13 out of the 80 forwards they brought into the team panned out as, as useful Edmonton Oiler players. And it's not too high a bar because I'm including Mark Letestu as panning out. And and so 13 out of 80. Well, Holland brought in nine guys, and five of them, uh, Yamamoto, Sheehan, Archibald, Neal, and, and Negard, are all panning out so far. And Haas and Russell are kind of on the bubble. Only only two of them, Yurcho and uh, Granlin, haven't worked out for the team. So we'll see how it works out in the long run. But if he can get three or four of those guys for to, to be players for the Oilers who are uh, useful role players or better than that um, over the next few years, um, that's excellent. And I do give him credit for Yamamoto. Someone, someone might say, well, why is he on the list? That's Shirelli's pick. But um, he brought in these other veterans, and Yamamoto got a ripen in the AHL for the first part of the year. This is all part of Holland's strategy, and it's really working out. So kudos uh, to Ken Holland. Um, this has been, he's made some excellent moves. 
Kyler Yamamoto was Keith Gretzky's pick. Peter always yeah. saw it, but I was, I was. Keith put it. You know what? Keith put his neck on the line for David Pasternak. Uh, and but for all the haters out there, well, why didn't they take Barzell? Ask Cam T. Ask Cam Neely what the term or what the phrase "that dog don't hunt" means. And just sometimes some other people join in the fray, and they're above the scouts. Uh, they hit on Jake DeBrus. They obviously Sinitian uh, and Zrobel have not panned out in Boston. They had so many other good hits in rounds three, four, and five. It's part of the reason why they've had the depth they've had. All right, David, the million dollar question: um, Are the Edmonton Oilers for real? You, you uh, yes, they are for real, Bob. And you, and you get you must get the sense watching them this year as well. There's just so many kind of gut. Check games and their record isn't that different from this time last year. They have uh, they're twenty five and eighteen this year, and they were uh, uh, twenty three uh, uh, twenty five and, tw- and twenty three this year, and they were uh, tw- twenty three and twenty five. They had fifty five points this year, forty nine last year. But there's so many games where you just watch them, like the Nashville game, and they just look like a team that's finally figured out how to check and play defensive hockey. And they can, in, in some big, tough games, they can really tighten up their game and suddenly play this kind of smart, effective, grinding style of hockey. So you do. I'm going to cut you. Off, I'm going to cut you off here. You do your own scoring chances thing, which not everybody agrees with how you do them. Whatever. Yeah. Are they giving up? Is it roughly the same as last year? Or are they giving up fewer A-grade scoring opportunities and creating more themselves? It's it's roughly the same, and uh, but it's trending up right now with the Oilers for this year. And you know what what I would say is we don't you know the, a flaw we we look at the grade A chances, but within that there's a variation of chances. Like some some chances are 33 percent shots, like Leon Draisaitl one timer, and some of them are 25 percent shots. And I think they're getting they're getting more of the highest grade scoring chances. But both, most of all, Bob, I think they're giving up fewer of the very highest grade scoring chances. This is something we might have to dig into more in our work in the future. You know, those we saw it all last year. Those horrible cross seam passes on the power play that the Oilers would give up, and they would cash those goals in against the Oilers again and again and again. How many times have we seen that goal this year? Not a Twice. lot, but David, the last 15 games penalty kill, I know they went three for three last night, but the penalty killing's been in a little bit of a struggle. Part of the problem is they don't win enough faceoffs, and so they're constantly, you know what I mean? They're they're always they never vacate their zone early on the PK. And yeah, but uh, they're not getting ripped apart, Bob, like they were last year. I mean, that was yeah. we saw that for years. That was, it was well, kind they, of they went into last night's game eighth. And over the four previous years, they were dead last. Uh, yeah. You know, so, David, how do people follow you? Uh, at D Staples on Twitter, or just uh, Google the Cult of Hockey. Thanks for your time, David. Take care. Thanks, Bob. Bye. Bye-bye. 124 at Edmonton. Now we'll get to our injury report for James H. Brown and Associates. I saw Trent Brown at last night's hockey game. This is Oilers Now. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Well, it's on days like this. You appreciate uh, driving a vehicle courtesy of our friends out of Brent Ridge Ford. It is nasty. Everybody uh, stay patient. I know there's a lot of you having challenging times right now. We're going to gut our way through it here over the next three to four days. Brent Ridge Ford out of Wetaskiwin. Cars cost less than Wetaskiwin. They're an eight-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. And right now is a great time to buy. They're clearing out the 2019s up to... uh, 
Uh, about $14,000 in rebates off of 2019 F-150s, as an example. Give the uh, gang at Brent Ridge a call, one 877 or visit brentridge.com. Uncle Milt's out there. Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford. They will take care of you. To our Oilers Now injury report for James H. Brown, injury lawyers. When accidents happen, go to uh, jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown dropped by the... Uh, Last night at Studio 99, our, our pregame uh, location where we do the City Ford Face-Off show, uh, we exchanged fist pumps, and uh, I think he had his great cup ring on. Does it hurt? Either that or not as tough as I once thought I was. Actually, Brendan, you become a real man when you realize that there's always somebody tougher. Or something like that. Real number one in life. I think I learned that when I was about 10. There's always somebody tougher. What do you got here on the injury report? Well, uh, Sherwood Park product and Flyers goaltender Carter Hart will miss two to three weeks with a right lower abdominal strain that he suffered during practice yesterday. Habs head coach Claude Julien says there's no definitive diagnosis for Brendan Gallagher's headaches, adding that he will remain out of the lineup. The team doesn't believe it's related to the first concussion that caused him to miss four games, but he has not played since that game against Edmonton, which was his first back. He's so, the heart and soul of that team. Yeah, I believe that for sure. Uh, Bruins goaltender Tuka Rask has a concussion. He's considered day-to-day for now. Doubtful tomorrow against Pittsburgh. Sabres forward Tage Thompson had shoulder surgery. He's done for the year. Five to six month recovery period. I'm pretty sure uh, Jack Michaels worked with Tage's dad, Brent Thompson, up with uh, Alaska in the ECHL back in the day. So he's known age since he's been a little guy. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bella. When we come back in Oilers Now, John Shannon, our NHL insider. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.